Life Church, I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Can we welcome all of our campuses, Appleton campus, Brookfield campus, Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus, online. This is the first big series, big message of the new year. I, I love new. I don't know if you guys, I, I like starting school new, right? Anybody new pencils in the fall, new backpacks, satchels? Anybody bring a satchel? You were that business person in the second grade. I see you. Or even the new year, right? I mean, even if you like have already like blown up every new year's resolution, it's, it's Sunday. It's a new week. You can start again. Amen. Yes. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to today to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And we are doing a series this entire month called Dream Again. And uh, today I want to talk to you just about, uh, about dreams, about God-given dreams. Actually, this is going to be a two-part message. I'll do this week and then come back next week and, and uh, we'll, we'll finish that out. But, uh, but it's a two-part message and we're going to look at the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, 38, and 39. So you can keep that open if you want to, if you want to take notes. It's a great series to take notes on. And uh, dreams, sometimes when you hear a, a title like that, you just kind of go, okay, this is... Nah, great, awesome, you know, you, you don't really know. I'm just kind of trading days for dollars. I, I'm in midlife, uh, I, I, or I don't know what, what it is that my plan or purpose that God has for me, or uh, it hadn't worked out the way I thought it, you know, kind of your life feels more like a country song, right? You just woke up with some kids and an SUV payment and a, and a mortgage, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what happened? This is a great series, or if you are on top of your game and you're hitting at all cylinders, because here's the great thing about this, wherever you are on the spectrum, here's what I truly believe with all of my heart, that God has a plan and a purpose and a dream for everyone. And that's not pie in the sky. That's not some preacher talk. That's not Sunday morning, get you excited. I'm going to show you that in scripture. Uh, matter of fact, we see dreams in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The entire early life of Jesus was directed by dreams through his father, Joseph. Every bit of the way. Joseph is not a priest. Joseph is not a prophet. Joseph is not a man of the cloth, has something, some special connection to God. He was a carpenter. He was a tradesman. He probably was a part of the local union of, of carpenters. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, in Jerusalem. And so he kind of, it, it's... And yet, that's how God speaks to him. God shows up in our lives in the most unexpected ways to continue to remind us that he's not forgotten us, that the dream and the calling of God never lifts. And even when we make mistakes, let me just say this, because some of you kind of go, there's a certain amount of guilt, like, ah, I missed the mark. I sinned, I crashed and burned, I made a mistake, I, I totally disrupted my life. And so that's a great message, but it doesn't work for me. Let me tell you this. When God called you, when God gave you a dream, when he put the plan, the purpose in your heart, he knew the sin, the mistakes, the issues, the wrong turns you would make. Yet he still called you. Yet he still put that in your heart. Not to frustrate you. God's not some cosmic killjoy, but to tell you that he has a plan and a purpose and a place for you. 
And so today, whether you're some middle age, excuse me, yeah, middle school kid. I was going to say middle school, and I said middle age. I don't know, 40 in thought there. Maybe you're some middle school kid that's trying to figure some things out. Maybe you're a college kid that just like the graduation is happening way too fast, and you don't know what you're going to do when you get into the real world because your parents have been telling you about that. Or you're, you're in the middle of, 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 of a your younger part of your life and you're trying to wrestle with how do I make this thing happen? It's not happening fast enough. You're middle aged, like what, where am I at? What's going on? Or maybe you're in the, you've gone from success in the first part of your life and now you're looking for significance. This series is for you. And so these next two weeks, we're going to talk about five qualities of a God-given dream. And I just want to say this too, as, as I get started, I was talking to Tammy yesterday and I just said, you know, I'm doing this message and this deal, anything you would add? She said, yeah, I think you should share about the fact that, you know, uh, I, I joke, but this is, I think it's really true. I think it takes 20 years to become an overnight success in Milwaukee. I just, I just do. It's just, this is, Milwaukee's kind of like Cincinnati. Uh, you know, uh, uh, who was it? Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the author who, who said, a noted American author who, who said, uh, Mark Twain, I, I want to be in Cincinnati when the end of the world happens because Cincinnati is always 20 years behind the times. <laughs> I, I think Milwaukee's kind of there. And so the deal is, is that to get to sometimes where I am, man, I remember having a dream in my heart when I was in Bible college of wanting a church that would reach thousands of people in a given weekend. Again, back then, nobody had any idea of multi-site or the leveraging of video or video venues. And we were still with Walkmans, right? CDs were the new hot thing at that point in time. You know, that thing that uses a coaster now. That was everything, right? And so, but I remember that was what was in my heart. And I wanted to be a part of a church where there were people of all races and backgrounds that came together. That people that could show up on the city bus or pull into a parking lot in a Bentley. And it didn't matter. They would sit side by side and they would worship God in spirit and in truth. A place where people with really bad stories and really bad backgrounds would come together with people that might've been in church all of their life. And they would, they, they, they would worship God and they would serve God and they would change their community. They would change their city. They, they would go not just into their Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth that it'd be a vibrant community of Christ followers that would all come together. Well, I'm 51. I'm still working on that dream. I'm still living on that dream. I'm still trying to always keep that fire stoked for that dream. So every time I get to go to the Milwaukee campus and I get to be around Pastor Robert and Latrice, there's something about the energy in that room, which Pastor Robert, you need to invite me back because it's been a while since I've been there. Amen. Just saying that. Anyhow, and so I get to do that. When I, when I go to the Brookfield campus and I see the amazing changes that are happening and, and even the transformative changes that are going to happen physically on that building. If you want to see an old building turn new, just drive by on Calhoun Road now and just in a few months, you're going to see that building gutted. You're going to see that building transformed and it's radically going to change. But I see new people and new families and new life that's coming in. As I come to Germantown, there's more vision and more dream for what's happening here. This is just the beginning. And, 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 I, and I, as, as, as I go to Appleton and, and I see what God is doing there, there's just more vision, more dream. It's just, this is so cool to be a part of this. But I'm just saying, it all begins when God speaks something in your heart. You have this dream in your heart. You've got this purpose in your heart. What dream do you have today? 
That's really the, the question. I could stop right there. What dream do you have today? And what is happening with that dream? Joseph, God-given dreams. First statement, God-given dreams direct your destiny. This is why dreams are so important because God-given dreams will always direct your destiny. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. God-given dreams will direct your destiny. A dream, what's a dream? A dream is this. It's the passion and the purpose that God has placed in your heart. If you're taking notes, just write that down. It's the passion and the purpose that God's placed in your heart. Does it mean it's going to be easy? No. Does it, does it, does it mean that everybody's going to applaud you? No, we're going to find that out. Does it mean that everybody's going to say thumbs up? No. Does it mean that it's always going to work out on the short end? No, but it's this passion and it's this purpose. It's this thing that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. It's the thing that keeps you quitting when you want to quit because everybody who has a dream wants to quit. Everybody who has a dream wants to walk away. Everybody who has a dream, it's, sometimes you think, well, man, those people, they just, they don't ever feel like quitting. Pastor, do you ever feel like quitting? Every Monday. Amen. The words of the great Pastor Tommy Barnett, I quit every Monday, but before I quit, I go and I get myself a cup of coffee and I say to myself, self, you can go one more week. And I go one more week. And so if you ever see me having a cup of coffee on Monday at the coffee shop, don't stop me. It might be the end, right? I mean, we all do this. There are days where we go, it's easier to, to, to make a living than this, or it's easier to do this, or God, where are you in this? Or God, did I really hear from you? But, but it's this passion and this purpose. It's this thing that keeps you going and moving that's been your heart. Genesis chapter 37, verse number two. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can follow along. If you don't, it's gonna be on the screen. Joseph, being 17 years old, it's important, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. Verse three, and now Israel, that'd be his father, loved Joseph more than his other sons because he was a son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Again, I think it's probably most brothers, right? Especially being young. But look at verse five. And Joseph had a dream. Joseph is 17 years of age, and he has a dream. God speaks to his heart about his destiny at 17. Be careful when some 17-year-old says, I've got this idea. I've got this dream. Be careful when some young adult says, I know this may sound crazy, but this is it. Be careful when you look at some kid growing up in church you might have changed their diapers in the nursery. That God uses them, but to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could even imagine. Joseph at 17 has this, this dream from the Lord. Now you may be 17, you may be 27, you may be 47, you may be 67, but God still has a plan and a purpose, a passion for your life, a dream that he's placed in your heart. Listen to this, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the, on the face of the earth. Check out this next statement. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. What does that mean? It means that God has purposefully determined the time and the place in which you will live so that you might best accomplish his purpose for your life. You're not here just because. 
God didn't just put this in your heart just because. You don't have something that resonates with you just because. No, 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 no. No. God has allotted a period and a boundary of your dwelling of your life. Don't take that lightly. But I'm only one out of seven billion people on the planet. Isn't that amazing? And the Bible says that God knows the number of the hairs on your head. That's how much he knows about you. It's not my words. I don't know that about you. I mean, I don't know your name, right? But God knows more than your name. God knows that he has put you in this particular place, in this particular time, for this particular reason. But I, I never planned on being in Milwaukee. Join the club. This was never part of the plan. I never thought of this. Join, I get it. I, I, I married someone and this happened, or, or I took this job here, or this thing, and that. It didn't really matter. God has been guiding and directing and leading your life, but he's placed this passion and this purpose in your life. You weren't, you're not here to work for the man. You're, you're here to work for what God's put in your heart and in your life. Oh, you may have to do a job that, that, that pays for your faith-based ministry that God's put in your heart to do and that dream. But, but the truth of the matter is God has purposely determined the time and the place in which you would live, and it's here. Let's read on uh, Genesis 37. Let's go back to that. Let's pick it up in verse 5. And Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers... Be careful who you tell your dreams to. I'll talk more about this later. They hated him even more. And they said to him, here comes the, here, he, he said to them, hear, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we're, we're binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright and your sheaves uh, gathered around it and bowed to my sheaf. I bet his brothers did hate him. I hate my brother. Who do you think you are? Look at verse eight. And his brother said to him, are you indeed gonna reign over us? Are you indeed going to rule over us? This is their little brother talking. So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Not everybody's going to love your dream. Be careful who you share your dream with. Be careful who you share the purpose and the passion that God's put in your heart with. I find this to be true. More people will celebrate you and your failure and your misery and have pity on you then we'll applaud you and your success in life. You want to know who real friends are? Real friends are still there when you make, excuse me, yes, when you make more than they make, when you're more successful than they are, when, you're, when the success of your dream is eclipsing what theirs is. The people that celebrate you and your success, those are real friends. Those are real friends. And for those of you that are successful, you need to hear that because the reason is, is that this is why it's so difficult to have a dream and to carry it out because you will lose friends over the plan and the purpose that God's put in your heart. Not everybody's gonna like you. And when you share that and when that dream becomes a reality, oh, wow. And then in that moment you go, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Is there something wrong with me? No, it's just, we're like crabs in a bucket, man. We wanna pull people down, keep people down. If I can't get out, you can't get out. If I can't be successful, you can't be successful. That's the reason why sometimes some crusty old person will tell you that will never work. I've tried it and it will never work. And that's what, yeah, 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 right? Until somebody goes, the four minute mile could never be broken running the four minute mile. It could never be broken until somebody goes and does it. And when someone does it that same year, there's 12 other people that break it. Why? Because there becomes these barriers. We can't do X, Y, and Z. You can't do X, Y, and Z. 
I'll never forget coming here saying, this is the plan and the purpose and the passion that God's put in my heart to have a church and had a pastor that, that was in a neighboring community that uh, we were connected together with mutual friends and we had lunch together. It's the only time I've ever lost my appetite at a meal. Didn't happen very often. And he began to tell me how I needed to go back to Oklahoma and how what God had put in my heart would never work and how this would never, blah, 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 blah. And I put my fork down. I put my knife down. I said, they may fire me next week, but this is what I'm doing. And if they fire me next week, and if this doesn't work here and they run me out of town, I'm going to Boca Raton. So there's no downside to this. <laughs> the point that I'm making to you is, is that when you have a dream and you share it, and everybody's going to like it, there are dream killers and dream fulfillers. Dream killers will tear down your dream. Dream fulfillers will build up your dream. Dream killers will feed fears and they will starve your faith. But dream fulfillers will feed your faith and starve your fears. That's good, amen. Dream killers are jealous when other people win, but dream fulfillers are zealous about helping other people win. Dream killers ask, is that even possible? But dream fulfillers ask, how can I help? Second statement, God-given dreams require patience. God-given dreams will require patience. Joseph's dream materializes 23 years after he has it. Remember I said about being taking 20 years, coming overnight success? He must have lived in Milwaukee too. Look at Genesis chapter 42. Just turn over to chapter 42, verse number 6. Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. Now Joseph was a governor over the land. And he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and they bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the ground. So we go from him being 17 to now 23 years later, he's 40. And there's the fulfillment of the dream. And they don't recognize him. They don't even recognize his countenance, his verbiage, the tone of his voice. Think about what's happened in those 23 years. Joseph's brothers have thrown him into a pit. Then they've thrown him into slavery. Then he's gone from slavery uh, into uh, basically into back into the prison, back out of slavery, back into the prison. He's in prison for a decade of his life before he ever winds up in the palace and the most powerful superpower on the face of the planet at that time in the nation of Egypt. Only one who has more power and authority than he does is Pharaoh. He's the number two man on the planet. I'm saying that to say this. Many times we have a dream, especially in this day of social media and influencers and all this kind of deal. And, and we have, you know, the top 20 by 20 and, you know, the top 30 under 30. And we have all these performance things. And, and in our world, we celebrate youth and we celebrate all of this. And I get that, but it's so false because... Typically, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. Typically, what you see is a culmination of a lifetime of work. When you see someone who's successful, they didn't just get there overnight. 
And it didn't just happen. And there's a lot of pain, and there's a, there's a lot of enduring, and there's a whole lot of opposition that happens to chip away at the passion and at the purpose that's in your heart. No, no one, it's not like, well, well, God put that in my heart, so shouldn't it be easy? No, all hell's going to come after you. What that means, if God truly has put that dream and that passion in your heart, all hell's going to come after you. And all hell's going to try to destroy you. And they're going to try to tear you down. They're going to try to get in your head. They're going to try to get in your heart. They're going to try to destroy you from every way that they can. It is, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a supernatural warfare that goes on in the world in which we live in. And every day we fight this. So we've got to suit up with the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our loins girt about with the spirit of truth, our feet shod with peace, with the shield of faith and the sword, which is the word of God. And we go into battle every day. And the only thing that is not covered is our backside. Why? Because we were never created to retreat, to turn or to surrender because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But it's hard to remember that sometimes, isn't it? When you're fighting hell and, and, and you're hanging on, and sometimes all you can do is Paul would say, when you've done everything you know to do to stand, you just stand. You just don't give up. You just don't quit. And, and so this is what's happened to get, from, to get from where he was at 17 to where he is at 40. Uh, th there is these tests, and God will send tests your way. God will allow testing to take place. Why? Because a calm sea never made a skillful sailor. It's struggle that produces strength in your life. If you want to build muscle, you've got to struggle. Your body has to break down in order to build back up. That's how we are hardwired. There's a season of stress. There's a season of release. There's a season of stress. There's a season of release. And if you don't have that stress, you are never going to be combat ready to do what God's called you to do, to have the family, to raise the kids, to, to have the business, to do whatever it is that God's put in your heart to do. But what happens is when those seasons come in of stress, those seasons come in of combat, those seasons come in where it becomes truly work to stay aligned with the passion and with the purpose and with the vision and with the dream. God is working things out in the pit. God's working things out in slavery. God's working things out in the palace. God's working things out back in the in prison. God's working things out all through that out. And the biggest test that usually God gives us with the dream is time. It's time. How long does it take to get to this place? How long does it take to get here? How long, how much, what do I have to do to get what God's put in my heart to do? Maybe it's 10 years. Maybe it's 20 years. You want to really know what I think for me? For me to accomplish what I think that God's put in my heart, it will take my life. It will take 40 years of my life to pastor here. That's a lot of time. And I'm one of these guys, if you know me, like if I could have nine lives, I would, I would go, I would sell real estate one week. I would, I would be an attorney. I would love to litigate stuff. Does that surprise you? Uh, I, I would love to be an ambassador. I think it'd be fun to do that. I, I would love to, I mean, there's all kinds of things I would like to do in life, but I only have one life to live. Sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? One life to live. God, here it is. And so he puts in my heart what he wants me to do. Do I always like it? No. Is it easy? No. Do I want to quit? Yes. Am I frustrated? Yes. Do I feel like I'm way in over my head? Yes. The only, the only solace in being in way in over your head is if it's a God-sized dream, you can't fulfill it. Only he can. That's the story of Joseph. 
Joseph can't get himself where he is. Joseph can't go to enough schools. Joseph's not from the right blood lineage. He doesn't have the right pedigree. He it's all this, but it's all this time. It's all this time. It's all this time. And this is, one of, this is one of my favorite verses, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit the marriage. Don't quit the kids. Although you feel like it, amen. Come on, glory to God. You may need to kick them out of the basement, but don't quit on them. Don't quit. Don't quit the job. Don't quit school. Don't quit. What is it that God's put in your heart to do? What is it that you, where you want to go? What is deep down inside of you? Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Just because a dream is delayed on earth does not mean it's denied in heaven. God's delays are not always God's denials. We don't know all the reasons why God delayed Joseph's dream. But here's what we do know. And while he was in prison, God was forging his character. Because at age 17, we see this brash, immature young man that's full of a lot of hubris and walks around and says, hey, one day I'm going to be it and you're all going to bow down to me. That's how that went down. I know we read it like, and my sheaf will bow down to your sheaf. No, let me tell you how it went down. I have a brother. It'd be like this. Can I just tell you how great I'm going to be? And you're going to work for me one day. Holla. It, don't worry. I'll be nice to you, but your people will serve my people. This is how it's going to be. Welcome. You can call me King. Mr. King. Oh, King Cole was a merry old soul. That's me right here, baby. That's what he's doing to his brothers. And he's the younger brother. Oh, I bet they wanted to just beat the snot out of him. But at 40, sitting on the throne, those same brothers show up. He's unrecognizable to them. Because this 17-year-old has grown up. This 17-year-old has had all the pride and the arrogance and the hubris beat out of him. Through slavery, through prison, through being wrongly accused. You ever think about the fact that, that like Potiphar puts him into prison over an allegation that he tried to rape his wife and it was completely unfounded. And then Joseph gets into the number two command over the nation of, uh, of Egypt. So who's he over now? Potiphar. The man who threw him into prison for a decade. But he doesn't do anything against him. He doesn't get him back. He doesn't right the wrong. He doesn't even look for a pardon. You see a man on the throne at 40 that is completely humble before the Lord, understands who he is in God's providence, understands what he's not, giving all the glory to the Lord. And one statement that's given about the life of Joseph over and over and over, but Genesis 39-2 records it. And the Lord was with Joseph. And so he prospered. Over and over and over. God's hands on his life. God's hands on his life. God's hands on his life. So when he's with his brothers, God's hands on his life. When he's, when, when he's sold into slavery, God's hands on his life. When he's in Potiphar's health, God's hands on his life. When he spends a decade in prison, God's hands on his life. When he comes before Pharaoh to interpret the dream that no one else can interpret, God's hands on his life. And when he's sitting on the throne, only second in command to the most powerful man in the world, God's hand is on his life and prospers everything he does. Why? Because God gave him a dream. And it didn't mean it was automatic. It didn't mean it was without, without, without any type of conflict. 
It just simply meant that God had put a dream and a purpose and a passion in Joseph's heart that no man could take out. The only person that could eject is Joseph. Because God won't force you or me to do what we don't want to do. You don't want to fulfill the dream of God? You're the only person. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this today. You are the only person that can stop the dream that God's put in your heart. There's no boss. There's no person. There's no adversary. There's no devil in hell. Because God has placed that in your heart. The only person that can deny you the dream that God's put in your heart is you. So I ask you the question that I asked you before. What's your dream? What's your dream? What would you dare to dream in 2023 if you were utterly convinced that God was with you? If you were utterly convinced that God had put something in your heart that no devil in hell could take away, that no man could rob or steal from you, that no woman could come in and malign and and take away from you, that nothing, that no one except the Lord himself has put this in your heart and no one can do that. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God can do that. What's your dream today? So today I just wanna close in prayer at every campus. I just wanna close in prayer and the campus pastors are gonna come back and and we're we're gonna wrap things up. But I just, I I wanna begin this this series of this messages today and just ask you that question, what is your dream? And if you go, I don't know, then I would encourage you to write that down. And this week, make it a matter of prayer and go, God, what is the dream? What is the plan? What is the purpose? Now, let me help you with this. God still speaks. I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care, I don't care what the, the antichrist, anti-God agenda in this world says. God still speaks. And in that moment, if you'll give God the room and the time and you'll ask him, he'll, he'll speak. So if you don't know what the dream is, ask him, God, what is it that you want to do with my life? What, what's the plan, the purpose for my life? What, what, what is it that you want to do? If you know what it is, then, then I would encourage you to write that down and, and, just, and just look at that this week and go, how am I doing with this? Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe it's not happened as quickly. Be honest about it. Make it a matter of prayer. May, 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 maybe there's some obstacles in your way. And, and maybe there's just some things that just simply just don't quite, just give it to the Lord this week. Come back this next week because we're going to continue. We're going to finish this sermon. When God gives you a dream, I've only gotten the first two points. I've got three more points to give you, but we're out of time. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to finish this up. We're, we're going to come back. What, what happens when God gives you a dream? How do you know it's a God-given dream? Because I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm, I, it, the greatest thing I could do for you as your pastor is simply this, is to, is to help you discover the dream that God has in your life and to encourage you and to support you and to equip you to do what God's called you to do. That's what the Bible says my job is as a pastor. That's what your campus pastor's job is to do, is to equip you to do the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? The dream that God's put in your heart. The dream for you, for your family, for your home, for your business, whatever it is. God, I just pray today, show us. If there's anyone here that doesn't know what the dream and the purpose that you have for them, if they don't know what that is, I pray, Lord, let them pray that audacious prayer 
that bold prayer to ask of you. And I pray this week, Lord, that you would speak to them. Any person that would ask that of you, I just pray, God, you would show them. They may deny it, they may suppress it, but that you would show them in a way that's undeniable between you and them. Lord, I pray for anyone that's discouraged today. God, as they write that dream out, this is what you put in my heart. That, there, that I just pray that this week that their faith would grow as they've heard the possibility. As we've looked at a man named Joseph, which is just like us, flawed and failed just like us. But we had a dream at a young age. And it took 23 years and he had to overcome obstacles that most of us never have to overcome. Prison, slavery, being maligned and lied about, hated just because of his dream. I just pray, Holy Spirit, encourage our hearts today and give us patience in the waiting for the dream, the fulfillment of the dream. In Jesus' name, amen.